This is Brett Fuller, and this is your 15. Today we're going to discuss government in the church, what it means to have the proper order, how people work together with respect to who's in charge and who is deployed and how they're deployed. God set up the church to be an organization that would run a whole lot like he would run his kingdom, that there is authority and there are people who obey authority and everybody is under authority, and he wants people to grow to the place where they can all manage authority well. In the church, especially the early church, we're going to see that they grew into what authority should look like. When the, uh, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the book of Acts, there were a group of 120, and they on the day of Pentecost received the Holy Spirit, and as a result, <clears throat> they began to preach the gospel and advance the kingdom. Well, growth happened, and in the church in Jerusalem, growth happened exponentially. So many people became apart so quickly that they didn't have the time uh, to, to establish the kind of government they wanted, and so they were almost forced into a system and, and form that allowed them to function well. Acts chapter 6 speaks of this moment. It says in chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect tables, or to neglect the word of God to wait on tables. Therefore the brethren, verse 3, uh, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may put in charge of the task. But we will devote ourselves to the ministry of the prayer, a prayer and the word. Here we see that issues began to result as a result of growth. And growth always creates problems. There is, there's not a time when growth doesn't create problems. Usually you begin to manage according to what you've been given. But when you grow, then you obviously have been given more, and so your management uh, skills must increase in order to steward what God has given you. Well, when extraordinary growth happens, well, <laughs> you got to have extraordinary management skills. And if you do not possess them, then generally the growth presses you into a place where you must develop new systems. And this is what happened to the early church. These wonderful widows, people who had come from all over the Grecian world, to Jerusalem in order to participate in the, in the Feast of Pentecost, had that day gotten born again. And they wanted to be a part of the church, but if they wanted to be a part of the church, there was no place else to be a part of the church except in Jerusalem. If they went back home, there was no church. This was the only place. And so many of them stayed, wanting to hear the Word of God. They were hungry to be a part of God's people. And there was a system to provide for the what we know as the Judean. Judean widows. And the Judean widows were people that were part of the, the allotment of provision for those widows in Judea, meaning Jerusalem and the surrounding region. But the Hellenistic widows were people who were from all over the world, yet they loved God and they were Jewish in their descent. And so they came to celebrate the feast in Jerusalem. Well, when they got saved, they stayed. And there wasn't a system that was able to handle how in the world they were going to now provide for all of these extra widows. And they began to complain, as people do. Nothing wrong with uh, voicing a legitimate issue about how you're supposed to be provided. Well, 
This kind of growth and this kind of pressure upon the church require that the leaders of the church do something. And rather than them deciding to be the folks that would get it done, they said, let's deploy a system. We need to give ourselves to the Word of God in prayer. Let's figure out a way that we can establish a group of people who can provide for this legitimate need. And this is where the government of the church began to be established in a layered system. You had the disciples or the apostles now beginning to make sure that they prioritize their ministry according to their gifting so that they could serve the most with the best. And this is what you want in government. If somebody is extremely gifted and called and skilled to do one thing, you don't want them doing something else. Peter was a great teacher. He was an excellent evangelist. He was a wonderful exhorter, a, a wonderful leader. You don't want him delivering two-piece meals to a whole lot of deserving widows. What you want him doing is breaking open that Old Testament, which is all he had at the time, and figuring out where is Jesus in there? And what does the church look like? That's what you want him doing. You don't want him delivering pizzas. And so they said, boy, we've got to do this thing because this church really needs some help spiritually. They need direction. And we've got to give ourselves to one thing here. But we, we know that this other need is pressing. So it has to be met. And they developed a new system whereby good, good men who were a part of the secondary level of leadership uh, were able to provide for the needs of those widows who desperately needed provision. And they established an order called the diaconate. The diaconate is a group of people that, that really gives themselves to service. They don't give themselves so much to making decisions with respect to how the church ought to go, but they do become the arms and the legs, the hands of the government that has deployed them. And they go out and they do the work of ministry. That does not mean that the people who deployed them don't do the work of ministry. Uh, but they do different kind of work. They go out and break open cities. They break open uh, communities. They preach the gospel. They, they, they teach. They equip the church for the work of ministry, a point to which we will get in another session. But you had now a group of men who would give themselves to the word of God in prayer. And then you had a group of men who would give themselves to service. And this is where we see eldership, those who would give themselves to the word of God in prayer and governance. And we see the diaconate, those who would give themselves to service. And this kind of deployment allowed for the church to work and function well in order. And this is kind of the, the, the skeleton around which we function as a people. Pastor Jim, myself, some of the other pastors, we give ourselves to the word. We give ourselves to prayer. We want to make sure that you are fed well and equipped well. We lift you up to God on a regular basis. We, we believe that the Lord wants us to devote ourselves to the, these two things so that you can be best equipped to, to, to give the right answer when you need it because now you have heard what you ought to do. You'd be best equipped to respond well to circumstances and know how to, to behave in the highest and best way with the highest level of standard and with best practices. And so we work really hard at preaching and teaching. We also lift you up to God on a regular basis. We pray for the church. We pray for you individually. If you're a member of this congregation, you get lifted up on a regular basis in this house. We believe that prayer is an absolute foundation. It is not something we employ only in case of emergency. 
It is something we deploy on a regular basis. It's a part of our working relationship with one another and in our stewardship with this church. Prayer is not something that we just just categorize in a special moment in time. It's something that we carry with us all day, whether I'm in the car, getting up in the morning. Sometimes God wakes me up in the morning to pray, wakes me up in the middle of the night. There are times when I'm doing things with my kids and I'll be prompted to pray for the congregation, whether it be you individually or whether it be our, our, our vision, praying for our new building, praying for our expansion, the, the increase and the need for more leaders. Uh, Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field because it's prepared to be harvested. And yet there aren't enough laborers. laborers. So we pray for laborers. These are things that we do on a regular basis. And we believe God hears us. Now, the two things I mentioned are not things other people should not do. Everybody needs to give themselves to the word. Everybody needs to give themselves to, to prayer. I got that. But we do it as a part of our job description. And we do it more often. And we hope to do it with such skill and with such consistency that we can deliver the word to you in a way that you could not get it on your own. And it's not because the Holy Spirit couldn't give it to you. It's just that you don't have the time to. And Peter understood that. And so he realized we are set apart because we are, we are called to do something. And we are set apart because now we have the time to do it. And having the time to give ourselves to the word and to prayer and not to delivering pizzas to very, very well-deserving folk, allow us to deliver the word to you, hopefully, with excellence. This is the beginning of what government looks like in the church. Now, with respect to the fellows who were, were delivering the pizzas, if you will, boy, I tell you, they weren't just pizza delivery guys. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had wisdom on them. There was something about them that was unusual. And the congregation chose these men because they stood out from among them. And we see later that Stephen, who was one of the seven chosen here, was, was, was a guy who could almost be confused with being an elder. Because later in chapter 7, it says that he was going about doing his, 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 his duties, fulfilling his responsibilities, but he would see people who needed more than just food. And so he'd lay hands on them. And when he'd lay hands on them, they get healed. And all of a sudden, miracles were happening by this fellow's hands. And the religious leaders of the day, not the Christian ones, but the Jewish ones, heard about it, and they were so upset they didn't know what to do. They began to upbraid uh, uh, Stephen and said, we told you not to preach in this name, and you have to stop all this. And Stephen gave one of the greatest sermons in all of Scripture, at which the, the religious leaders decided, we got to do away with this fellow. And they stoned him. He became the first martyr of the church. Yet, this is a man who was qualified, spiritually speaking, to deliver two-piece chicken meals. So you see, the deacons aren't just guys that can't do anything else. They are men, they are women, who have given themselves to the purpose of ministry, yet are primarily deployed in order to do practical service. But in their practical service, they are not pigeonholed. They are to employ all the gifts and callings that the Holy Spirit has placed on the inside of them. And simply because it's not their job, it doesn't mean they can't do it. 
So when we look at the government, the government of the church, whether it be the elders or whether it be the deacons, they are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do something great for the people of God and for the community. And it's our hope that we would establish a congregation a whole lot like that. Elders, pastors, uh, leaders that are full of the Holy Spirit every day. Not just folk that are filled with authority, not filled with their own idea of power, but godly, Holy Ghost-filled servants that love caring for the sheep, whether it be by the Word of God in prayer or whether it be by delivering pizzas, who can then allow the church at the same time to grow up and become what it should be. This is your 15.